DIY and How Studios presents Real Rock with Andy King, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Real Rock. Today we will be discussing the 2016 documentary Shot, the psycho-spiritual mantra of rock. A documentary film about rock photographer Mick Rock. I will be talking about various points in the film, so consider this your spoiler warning. You can view the movie on Netflix and come back for our discussion. Some of the questions we will be answering today are... Who the fuck is Mick Rock? How have I overlooked such a huge part of rock and roll? And what does a modern day photographer think of the classic rock and roll pics? I'm your host Andy King and this is Shot, the psycho-spiritual mantra of rock. It's an energy thing. In the height of the moment I say assassin because that's what I feel like. And I'm going to take you out. I want that feeling. I think the name infiltrated into my psyche. If you wanted a rock and roll photographer, what would you call him? You'd call him Mick Rock. I hadn't done a lot of performance photography until David came along. I just thought, well, I'd be David Bowie, the first David Bowie, that's all. It was all designed to give people the idea. We don't know who he is, but he's got a personal photographer. He must be a big deal. Rock and roll nailed in that one shot. It was a complete revolution, and most people ignored it. New York, the Velvet Underground. A cold shiver went up my spine when you hit the stage. These guys, it's only the second time they've ever been in a photographic studio. Bingo, there's the cover. I never felt like a voyeur. I was always on the inside looking out. I didn't stop to think about the implications of what I was doing. People often ask, when you nearly died, Mick, do you regret that I got myself into that state? Could it have been any different? And every time I ask myself that question, I say no. I always knew that this was the life I was meant to live. Ah. I'm like a, I'm like a thief in the night. Blang, 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 blang. I don't think I had a clue where I was going, but I was going to be going there anyway. Rock and roll is more than just music. It's a lifestyle, a fashion, an attitude. Truthfully, it's whatever you need it to be. What we do at the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project is dig into the many aspects of the medium that we love so much. Of course, with us it starts with the history, explaining the macro effects of rock and roll on the world, From there, we tackle the individual spokes that make up the wheel of rock. When I sat down to watch Shot, the psycho-spiritual mantra of rock, I was forced to look into segments of rock history that I had previously neglected. What would rock and roll be without some of the awesome pictures? When you think of Iggy Pop, do you see his picture in your mind? Maybe it's the one where he's bent over backwards with all his raw power on display. When you think of Lou Reed, do you think of the cover of Transformer? 
Think of your favorite picture of your favorite artist and odds are that Mick Rock took that picture. This film looks to expose the life and the work of Mick Rock, the man who shot the 70s. One, two, three, Satellite's gone up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. I watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV. First, a quick note about the man behind the camera filming the other man behind the camera, director Barney Clay. There are a few directors that embody the spirit of real rock. Jonathan Demme, Amir Barlev, Martin Scorsese immediately come to mind, but British director Barney Clay is quickly positioning himself as one of these real rock approved directors. After leaving film school, he directed videos for John Spencer Blues Explosion, Gnarls Barkley, and TV on the Radio, just to name a few. In 2003, he traveled to Russia with the band Menlo Park to make the Channel 4 documentary Greetings from Beartown. In 2011, Clay reworked the David Bowie video for Life on Mars for Vice Media's Creator Project series. Perhaps being inspired by living inside the work of Mick Rock for this project, Clay set out to direct Shot, which tributes to the life and the work of Mick. Oh, and if that wasn't enough to cement his legacy as a real rock legend, we should also mention that Barnaby is married to Karen O, lead singer of Yeah Yeah Yes. Together they have a son named Django. Fuck this guy is cool. Shot follows a tried-and-true rock doc format as we explore Mick's career pretty much chronologically. From the first time he picked up a camera to shoot a lady friend and forgetting to put film in the camera, to his first rock and roll gig shooting for Sid Barrett. This film picks up steam when Mick meets David Bowie, who proves to be his great muse. It was also very unlikely, the carrot-coloured hairdo and the jumpsuit, the red plastic boots and the mismatched eyeballs. No seasoned betting man would have backed this one. But I knew what I liked, and that was enough to make the first move. And I remember the night I peeked around his dressing room door. I like your name. It can't be real, he told me. There and then he invited me back to his house and we stayed up all night and talked about all kinds of things. From there we see him move from Lou Reed to Iggy Pop to the 70s punk scene, promo stills, concert shots, album covers, all of the pictures. As the narrative chugs along, we are treated with all these pictures as well as documentary footage shot by Mick. In fact, all the footage, pictures, and archived audio were from Mick's personal collection. At one point, we see footage of Sid Barrett and David Bowie backstage having a little trip, and this footage has never been seen publicly. 
As the chronology reaches the 90s, we witness Mick's physical falls, he suffers heart attacks, and reevaluates his life and comes back swinging. The film ends on him doing photo shoots with today's Who's Who, including Snoop Dogg and Daft Punk. It's on America's tortured brown. Mickey Mouse has grown up a cow. And the workers have struck for fame. Cause Lennon's on sale again. See the mice in their million ports. From Ibiza to the north of Broads Will Britannia is out of bounds To my mother, my dog and clowns But the film is a sad bore For I wrote it Ah, the film is a saddening bore For I've seen it ten times or more And sometimes reviewing rock docs feels like this Right, you pretty much know what you're getting into when you sit down to watch one. And this one could have fallen into that rut very easily. It doesn't, though. And this film is anything but a bore. The shot styles on the present day footage changes periodically, which as a viewer kept me on my toes. Clay has stated that he chose those lighting styles to mirror Mick's classic pics. The most powerful of these is the shots of Mick in the darkroom with the light table going through some of the pics. There are a few fully dramatized scenes, including Mick taking an ambulance ride and a bunch of doctors standing over him in a hospital bed. I definitely have some feelings about those scenes, and we'll get there. I wondered what a modern-day photographer would think of the film and the work of Mick Rock, so I sat down with Mike Michike in his studio to get his perspective. So the good old Mick Rock. Okay, here's my first question, because I know you didn't know about glam rock and the punk scene mm-hmm. and how much did you know before you watched the movie on a scale to one to ten uh a two or three i mean i i knew of course some of the big players back in the day the big bands and the you know iconic names i suppose but yeah it was it was quite eye-opening it's pretty good and i feel bad that i didn't know who Mick Rock was, especially from a photographer standpoint. You dude, know, I feel bad. I didn't know. It was Mick ridiculous. Rock. I mean, That's... the dude was obviously a damn legend, and the fact that he's still alive is pretty remarkable. Hence, the whole point of the movie showing how he uh, came back from a what was it at the end? I think four heart attacks and a quad bypass by the time he was forty-two. Right. Yeah. And, you know, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like fun. <laughs> when you say like the big bands, you mean like the Ramones, everybody's heard of the Bowie. Yeah, I mean the Bowie, the Queen. The Jagger, the Stewart, etc. I mean, there was a lot that I didn't know very well. And again, I mean, this is just me being uh, naive to the era. I mean, I'm 35 now, so I didn't really grow up, obviously. I wasn't even alive yet. But yeah, I mean, some of the big names that I truly didn't know who they were, uh, Lou Reed, Sid Barrett, I mean, his two biggest dudes from the you know the first 30, 45 minutes of the show. But, you know, yeah, I mean, there were a couple other big guys later on that, that was pretty cool to see him... Uh, you know, work with. I'm a big electronic guy, so the fact that he worked with Daft Punk in like that last 15, 20 minute scene was pretty neat to see. The, the show went really well. You know, they, they gave a good tip of the hat to him, you know, doing well in school and then wrapping through, and you know, he obviously wanted to go against the norm. You're a professional photographer, and that's a medium that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Still photography, I don't understand. Like, 
I can look at something and say this is good or this is bad. Yeah. In, in, um, in, in your own mind, you have your reasons why a shot is good or a shot is shitty. I've never really thought about it that much, and it was funny because I had like the cover of uh, the Lou Reed album, Transformer. I had that on my wall. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who McRock was. Right. Uh, and that was the the black and white one with the stone cold face yeah. with the heavy eyes. Yeah. yeah. It kind of looks like Nosferatu. Right, right. Yeah. Now, I could look at that and I could say that's cool, mm-hmm. but I don't know enough about photography to know why that's a cool picture mm-hmm. to me. It's just one of those like... It just makes sense to you. I, I like it. Right. You know. And any part that that was one of the the performance shots, you know, that, that was not, at least to my remembering of it, that was not a in-studio, super meticulous, perfect lighting no, blah, it blah. No, It was like he hit yeah. it, bang, one, one spotlight on his face and blacked out the eyes and it was pretty neat. I think the other thing that was really cool about it was, you know, the age that I'm at, I still learned classically in the darkroom, which was... I'm glad I did. You know, now to each their own. But a younger person coming through the ranks, they don't know what developer is. They don't know what the the silver compounds are to get your hands dirty and see it come to life. That's of course how he started in this. In what I think he picked up the camera late '60s, yeah, early mid, '70s, mid to late '60s. Yeah. yeah. So darkroom was the only medium you had until late '90s, and then digital changed everything for the good and the bad, I guess. But it was it was cool to to understand where he was coming from and the fact that they referenced back to a couple cuts to where he was uh, probably in his basement or a warehouse of some kind rummaging through all of the boxes of shit that he had acquired and kept from the negatives to the prints to the frames and it's pretty cool. I can't tell you where any of my stuff went from 15, 20 years ago because now it's all just on a, a little fancy external hard drive. But it's neat to see. Well, you weren't you weren't photographing Ozzy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was a yearbook nerd when I was learning darkroom work, so it was a little bit different. Like I would kill to just go through that and look at all oh, the dude. different pictures he had. It was of, wild, and, it, and also the the scene, the cutback throughout the whole show where where he was at that monster uh, Lightroom table. Oh yeah, with the ten, yeah. with the ten thousand negatives and the prints. It was it was really well put together. The late seventies portion, like right after he goes through the punk catalog and starts, uh, he starts playing with a lot of developing techniques. To me, those pictures weren't very interesting. The person I watched it with, who did understand a little bit of photography, found that to be his most interesting time period. Mm-hmm. Whereas I didn't. You like I more didn't of the the raw performance action where he's just down and dirty. Backstage, shooting through a curtain. That's what I like. I hear you, and they're they're both awesome. I mean, I think from a rock and roll guru, you know, having being respectful of that, and him just down and deep and in a mosh pit shooting that scene is pretty cool. But from a photo standpoint, I, I'm I'm with you. The 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 guy or girl that you watched it with, from a technical nerdy photo component, that was neat to see, because it is so simple to get the perfect shot. But even the Queen album. That, of course, was his one of the more iconic pieces. And I even wonder if that was just truly a lighting mistake that worked. I mean, I know that he was referencing the, the older 1940 shot of the, the gal. I forget the name. But it was twisted off of that. But I love the fact that, you know, later on, you know, he spoke on how photography is not rocket science. You know, it's just you're in the right place at the right time with the most simplistic lighting technique. And he says people over overcomplicate it. And even for me, even though I don't do rock or, I mean, I do a little bit of event photography, but even when I'm here at the office 
having a, a, pic, a person come in for an executive picture or a actor that has a very specific niche market they want to hit perfectly with the lighting, I feel like I'd shoot it fairly simple. You know, it's like a two to three light setup with a reflector, simple stuff. Some guys of more old school philosophy or just people that are super nerdy with technology, they'll just overcomplicate the hell out of it. They'll shoot with seven different lights and perfect little reflector bounces and a little rim light here and that's all cool. It, but it just depends on how you want to work it. The fact that he could create just such kick-ass stuff with one simple modeling light. And that, that's what it's all about. It's the angle that he shoots. It's the intensity. It's the fact that I loved how he went through his pre-session mantra. Uh, the headstand, the deep breathing, the power breathing. I mean, that just gets you in the damn zone. And that's neat to see. As somebody who does it for a living, I was wondering, like, what you thought of that. I love that. I mean, it... it in a similar fashion, you know, when we're working a high-paced uh, wedding, you know, in, in a respectful and an emotional way, you're you're grabbing a quick little snippet of their life, and it's, you know, it's immortalized, which is really one of the more enjoyable things of shooting event pictures. I can't believe I was never a Nick Rock fan. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. But how, how often do you actually think about the person taking the picture? Rarely. Right, and you do this. You're yeah. one of those guys. Right. But even when, like, I look at a wedding photo, it never occurs to me that there's there's somebody taking that picture. Mm-hmm. It just is. It kind of makes me wonder how many unsung heroes of this medium that I love have I left out of my brain just for lack of not looking it up. Like, and I feel like, I, honestly, in a way, I feel like I've failed as a digger. I've spent my life looking into the history of every band I ever liked, you know, and that I don't know this, I don't know this guy. Of course, he loved what he did, and, he, and by stumbling across it, that's kind of the way I did as well, before, you know, it became a profession. But I love, in the beginning, how he spoke to the fact that he was the f- part of the fabric of the band. He wasn't just a hired guy to show up and shoot for an hour and be done. So he had a different connection with the bandmates or the lead guy or, or the girl or whoever, but the fact that he was open to that and appreciated being part of the crew, it made it that much more important to get the kick-ass shot. That emotion and relationship connection, that's what made the shots, I think, for me, so powerful. And the fact that you could just, just like you said, with, with drawing a little sketch, to have that be such an immediate thought, it's, it's, it's powerful. All rock stars are characters. First and foremost, it's kind of the, the idea of kayfabe. Um, it's old carny term. The person I watched this with made a comment about not capturing the essence of the person, but capturing the character. And I said that's the whole point. Like you wouldn't want a candid shot of a rock star mm-hmm. on stage. You just don't. You want the shot of them as they present themselves. If you're doing an event or taking executive headshots or whatever. I mean, you're doing the same thing. You're, I mean, even candid shots, mm-hmm. I mean, to an extent, even a candid shot is still, this is the image they need to portray. Sure. You're not going to sit there in a wedding and take a picture of them fighting. Right. Maybe whatever. you would. <laughs> Keep that as your, uh, you know, let that resurface six months after the fact and give it to them as a little little gag gift. Hey, just remember this. Yeah. And then they go, fuck you, man. Don't ever do that shit again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the being a... a professional photographer you know making money at it for a good while now it's there's a lot of great artists out there and I mean I feel of course you know you got to get better at your craft every year and and the same for him you know he was able to 
develop as an artist, but what I loved is he took it from such a literal energy standpoint and became so personable with the subject that when that person lets go and just becomes the real person, that's when the magic happens. And that, that can happen in two minutes. It can sometimes take 10. It sometimes never happens at all. Even when I have people that come in here, they might be terrified of having a, a simple little portrait taken of themselves for a variety of reasons. You know, some crazy shit that went down when they were young, some trauma, some who knows what. You know, people have baggage no matter what. Oh, I hate getting my picture it, taken. It's, it's not enjoyable for a lot of people. I have a face for podcasting. That's that's fair. Yeah. Fuck you, man. You should actually go, no, 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 you're a handsome fellow. No, he's a handsome guy, folks. <laughs> but the fact that some of the shots that he that he developed, they used him as a conduit to create the perfect light, which was which was deep. Yeah. And you could tell in most everything that they showcased throughout the whole film, there was just something where the person just lets go and again, at, at a drop of a hat, that's that's when the magic happens. All, all of rock documentaries, they kind of all play out the same where uh, everything's awesome, here's my rise, then I did way too many drugs, and now I'm crashing. And then in the last third of this film, it does exactly that, where it talks about kind of his his fall, maybe from from a health standpoint, his fall. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tipping point was the, the quick little scene where he was shooting, it looked like on top of a parking deck with the cold weather in New York or something and he completely just dropped to the ground and he was what 41 or 42 and in a matter of a couple month period or a couple year period had three or four heart attacks a quadruple bypass I mean shit gets real yeah. and you got to regroup your life yeah and, and he did you know he lived through it somehow I mean most people would completely be done oh, yeah. 10 times over the average person but he kept going somehow and it was, it was a good twist at the end of the movie. They didn't carry on too much about it, but the fact that he was able to regroup to a certain degree, he looked at his art a little bit differently. Um, again, with him being up there in age, but it, it was great to see because like the last you know five or ten minutes, it, it shared a shoot. I forget exactly who it was with. The guy with the epic beard. I'm drawing a name blank. Yeah, the guy, the guy with the beard. So watch it, people, and uh, you can... <laughs> I, I didn't take a good note on that one. But anyway, you know, the fact that he was in the studio doing his same routines with the, with the meditation and the handstand and bringing back all those old-school qualities that worked for him, but with a fresh mind and still turned out some kick-ass work. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a good recap, I think. And overall, it was, it was definitely interesting to watch and... Again, not knowing who he was two weeks ago when we talked about even throwing down in this audio, it was definitely neat to see, and it was it was definitely pretty cool. How likely are you to go pick up Bowie or Iggy? Much more now. Much more. I would say. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you some stuff. There you go. Yeah. Open. Open up my eyes to the uh, to that particular scene. I guess. How much? Uh, how much of uh, mix mantra, if you will, are you gonna? take into your own professional life so I'm not going to roll into a corporate setting and do a handstand you should yeah they, they'd be they'd be interested I'm, I might I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll Instagram that shit I, and, and I, I understood where he was going with you know shutting down closing his eyes having the deep breathing exercises the whole yoga meditation feel I get that and that's very cool so I'll probably incorporate that the most but yeah, okay. hand, handstands, negative. 
I don't want to fall and hurt my ass. <laughs> I actually went through a full range of emotions watching this film. At first, I was a little upset that I didn't know who Mick Rock was. Then, I was overjoyed with seeing all of the great pictures. And then it kind of got weird. The dramatized segments took me out of the film. Coupled with the ever-changing shot style, I found myself having an overdose of pretentiousness. But the more we get to know Mick, the more it makes sense. As pretentious and full of itself as this film can be, it's a very accurate depiction of the man himself. And we all have that friend that put on a scarf and took pictures of a bare wall and screamed about their parenthetical art. And whether they know it or not, they're fully channeling Mick Rock. But given his body of work and his longevity, Mick deserves to be full of himself. Clay does a masterful job at making this film not only a telling of the Mick Rock story, but also a complete personification of how Mick sees himself. Every review I have read of this film states that the pictures are the star of the show. And in true real rock fashion, I have to disagree. The footage is merely a sideshow to the story of one of Rock's lesser-known yet pivotal characters. The real star of the show, to me, is the film itself. This film is split hard on Rotten Tomatoes. The critic score is 94%, with an audience score of 50%. The official real Rock rating is 4 out of 5. Special thanks to Mike Michike for his participation in this episode. To see his body of work, go to... Yeah, I'm not going to try and spell that. Link in the show notes, y'all. And while you're at the show notes page, follow the link to the RNRAP store and pick up an official Real Rock shirt. I'm wearing a Real Rock hoodie as I'm recording this. Now, I can't prove this, but I believe that wearing RNRAP merchandise makes you at least 73% more attractive. Seriously, I go from like a 3 to an 8. Again, I can't prove this. Okay, I made it up. I'm still a 3. But pick up some merch and see for yourself. I want to hear from you out there. Send your emails to realrockpodcast at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-R-O-C-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. I'm Andy King, and this has been Real Rock. Shot! Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. 
Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Rerock is produced by DIY and House Studios and is a part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Rerock is written by Andy King. All commentary and opinions are that of the host. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Playlists can be found at Spotify. Purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rockandrollarchaeology.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.